good morning to all of you this morning. I thought this morning that I would share a little bit on the subject of prayer, and I suppose it's something that all of us do, I hope, on a semi-routine basis, and yet it's something that I personally don't feel that I'm very good at. Um, and I think prayer is a little bit like walking, uh, and it's something that we do as Christians at a very young age. It's how we begin to become a Christian, and yet a lot of us never learn to do much more than kind of toddle around, and we're a little unbalanced when we do it too much, and, um, and um, it takes some training in order to get to a higher level, we'll say. And maybe some of you think, well, I just don't have the gift of prayer. But I have not read in Scripture to this point, and I have read through the Bible a couple times, that there's a gift of prayer. It's just something we're supposed to do. And so what is prayer? Prayer is talking or communicating with God. And maybe it seems a little silly talking to someone who already knows everything you have to say already. And I wondered about that. I said, well, why should I talk to God? God knows everything, not only that I've done, but that I'm going to do. And he knows everything that I'm thinking. And it's got to be awfully boring for God to listen to me. And it probably is. It's probably boring for him to listen to you, too. But he wants you to do it. God could answer every question that we have without us asking. He could, he could do a lot of things without us at all, right? I mean, why does he need Christians anyway? It's a very deep philosophical question. And, you know, I mean, we could celebrate church on a golf course, I suppose, but God knows that we're distractible. And so why do we pray? Well, we pray because it shows humility. It tells God that we know we're not enough and that we need him. It's a demonstration of our faith and our trust in him. It's commanded in scripture, and we'll touch on a couple of different places. And um, God just wants to talk to us. And I would say, finally, it doesn't just demonstrate our faith, but it strengthens our faith. As we come to God with concerns, with areas in our lives where we are not enough, and we see God strengthen those areas, it changes something inside of us. And not just the thing that we're praying about, but also our faith and our knowledge that He is sufficient where we are not. So, I thought this morning I would talk about three different things. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is mistakes we make in prayer, which would be negative, I suppose, probably is. Um, the second thing is some lessons from the Lord's Prayer, or maybe the disciples' prayer would be a better um, way of calling it. And then the final thing would be some lessons from Luke chapter 18. So mistakes in prayer. At a carry-in, um, Oh, a month or two ago, I'm not sure. It was warmer then, anyway. Um, I was standing with two brothers, neither one of which is here this morning. 
And we noticed that nearby there was a very full trash can. It was stacked higher than probably was intended by the manufacturer of the trash can. And, um, and I felt a, a call at that point. And I thought to myself, you know, this sort of situation needs prayer. And what are the things I could pray about in this situation? And I mentioned a few of them. I've come up with a few more since then. So um, you could pray that God would reverse the laws of gravity so that you could stack things higher on that trash can. And, I mean, you could technically get it as high as you could reach it if God would just reverse those laws. Another thing you could pray is that God would send someone to change the trash bag. There's all these people around, and none of them are feeling that call to change the trash bag. God would call someone to do that. Um, another thing you could pray is that God would lead you to another trash can. This one's just not good enough. It's, it's clearly got issues, and really, could God just take me to a place where there's a trash can that needs my input? Um, Another thing you could pray is that God would give you peace about the plates that are on the floor. And that seems like uh, maybe where a lot of us come down at. And I, I think that I've prayed all these things at certain points, not about trash cans. I, I will um, say that I eventually did change the trash bag, and um, I'm proud of that fact. But, um, but there have been plenty of other situations in my life where I didn't want to do something, and so I prayed something that maybe was not the wisest thing. So that's kind of a lead-in to think about some mistakes that we can make in prayer. Um, first mistake is not praying at all. We're praying thoughtless prayers that have no meaning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, And when you pray... Do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And there are different ways that we can have emptiness. Obviously, we could just not pray at all. And that would be sad from our standpoint. But we can also just pray words. And sometimes I think we think we need to have a special vocabulary. You know, I'm going to teach you all how to pray with the proper King James English, and once you know enough of the right words, then you can sound impressive in church, and, and you, can get, um, uh, you can get by. But God wants to hear from us, and he doesn't want just impressive prayers, and he doesn't want lists of stuff that we want, or even people that we know that are in need. And I know that sometimes when I pray to God, I'm a little bit like someone who's away at college, and I don't think much about my parents until I need something, and then I call home and I say, by the way, can you send me X thing that I need? I forgot. I remember when I was a boy, I, I, used to, um, I used to pray in the evenings before I went to bed. And 
I got the bright idea one time that I could pray better if I would lie in bed while I prayed uh, with the lights off. God can hear in the dark. He definitely can. But I can tell you my prayers got a lot shorter um, when I was lying in bed um, thinking peaceful thoughts. And God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear where we're at with him, things that we're struggling with. I think we all tend to fall into phrases that we use when we pray. I know I do. Um, But this isn't about speech-making or impressing God or even impressing the people around us. It's, It's about sharing with God where we're at and being honest with him. He knows stuff. I already told you that he knows what you're going to ask him and tell him about before you do it. Um, there's no reason to beat around the bush and tell him things, you know, and, and just try to avoid telling him things. Next thing, so that was uh, not praying or praying empty words. The so next thing is praying about something that's against God's law. And You know, I think all of us have met someone who was struggling with something that they knew was wrong based on God's word, and then they were just praying that God would would lead them in the right direction. Um, I remember talking to a lady who was praying about whether or not to divorce her husband, um, and she um, she said, well, she prayed enough that she just really came to the conclusion that he was just worthless and she needed to leave him. And I don't don't think that's a good thing to pray about. If we if we have clear leading in Scripture, um, we don't need to pray about it. Um, Paul said, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That's in Galatians 1.8. Um, things that are clearly spelled out in God's word are to be accepted, not questioned, and definitely not prayed about to see if they're accurate. Third thing is praying for God to miraculously take care of something you were supposed to do. I remember my son one night praying that his room would be clean the next day, um, which was his job to do. And, And his room was clean the next day, but it wasn't cleaned by someone else, and it wasn't cleaned by miracle, although I think he'd hoped for that. And I think probably better pray would, prayer would be that God would give you um, the strength or the encouragement to decide to keep your room clean. Another thing is praying for God to take away the consequences of our behavior. And when I say this, I don't necessarily mean that God would lessen punishment um, that, that he has spelled out for sin in our lives. So I think that there's some um, precedence for that in the Bible. Um, when David took a census, he did pray to God that he would lessen the plague that was afflicting his people, and God, um, God did lessen the plague there. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 24, if you want to look at that. But I, what I mean more is that you go to the Golden Corral and you wait, you eat seven plates, and then you pray, God, Help me not to gain weight. Or you come up to the final exam and you've not studied at all and you say, God, please help me to ace this final. 
Um, and I do think God expects us to use the talents that he's given to us. God helps those who help themselves is not a scriptural idea. But what is scriptural is that God has given us talents that he expects us to maximize. Another mistake is praying for God to send someone else. Um, and I'd like to turn just briefly to Exodus chapter 4. This is a story of Moses. We know that God called Moses from a burning bush. And we're going to break in in the middle of this. Because um, Moses was, was not really excited about going to, to um, lead the children of Israel out of out of Egypt. So Exodus 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow speech of a slow tongue. So, so Moses has all these reasons why he shouldn't go. Um, and God takes each one of them one by one, and he breaks them down and says, it's okay, I'm going to take care of things. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or deaf, or the seeing or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. So God answers here and says, Yes, you're not enough, but I will be enough. And that should probably be answer enough. But Moses comes back and he says, And he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. And I'll stop there. So, in verse 13, it's... Um, Moses says, in another translation, but Moses said, oh my Lord, send someone else. And that's where Moses came down. He didn't want to go, and he wanted God to send somebody else. And all these other things were really excuses for why he didn't want to do the job that had um, been set before him. And when God sets a task before us, he is going to give us the ability to do it. And maybe we don't feel like we're adequate. Maybe we don't feel like we're enough. Maybe we don't feel like we have the talent to do it. But the proper prayer in that situation is, God, I don't feel like I'm enough. I feel weak. I feel unable to do this job. You be what I need in this situation. And he's faithful. Isaiah 6.8 is a different kind of response. And here it is, Isaiah speaking, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, here am I, send me. And we know that Isaiah was unsure of himself too, because later on in the in that chapter six of Isaiah's calling, he said, Lord, how long? So clearly he's thinking, well, you know, God I can serve you for a year or two. I can do some voluntary service, but I don't want to keep doing this forever because these people aren't going to listen to me. And anyway, it seems like too big a task. And God said, really long. 
He said, until everything goes away and there's no people left and, and finally a remnant returns and so on. Well, anyway, that's probably not what Isaiah wanted to hear. But God was saying, I've called you. You've accepted. Go for me. And that's the resp- response that he wants to hear. So, so far, our mistakes are not praying at all, praying empty words, um, praying something that is against God's law, praying for God to miraculously take care of something that we're supposed to do, praying for God to take away consequences for our behavior, praying for God to send someone else. And the next one is praying for God to bless our mistakes. And this is from Genesis 17, 18. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And so this is right in the middle of God telling Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a son of promise named Isaac. And Abraham's already worked things out so that he had a son named Ishmael. And he says, God, can you bless Ishmael? You know, he's my son too. And God, God does agree to bless Ishmael. But clearly, Moses is missing the point. Praying to God out of fleshly desires. James 4, verses 2 and 3 says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot, cannot obtain. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. It's not wrong to ask for physical things, but it's a bit dangerous because God's goal for us is not just that we accumulate stuff. And so, um, and maybe sometimes we just pray for the wrong thing. So I remember when I was a boy praying for a bicycle. I really wanted a bicycle. I was about five, and and um, anyway, eventually... My parents gave me a bicycle, and I mean, they probably would have without prayer anyway, but I mean, it, it certainly didn't hurt that I prayed for this bicycle. Um, but I would have been better actually praying that I would have had the knowledge and, um, and wisdom to take care of the bicycle, because it wasn't very many weeks after I got the bicycle that I left it behind a vehicle, and its rear wheel got run over. And... Um, and to teach me a lesson, um, they just sort of straightened out the back wheel a little bit, hammered on it, and it just wobbled terribly when I would ride it around. But eventually it did replace the, the rear tire. But, um, but I did learn a lesson. I, I remember to this day, more actually than, um, than getting the bike. In the end, God just wants to hear us. Um, but most of all, he wants to hear our heart and desires and, and wants those to be right with him. Um, prayer is not a magic genie, just that we pray and we get something. Um, and some people think of it that way. Um, but prayer is about us learning who God is and getting close with him. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is, um, I said we're going to take some, um, some lessons from the Lord's Prayer. And if you all are not familiar with this, um, you should be. So Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So I've often thought that this should be called the disciples' prayer. It wasn't Jesus' prayer, and I don't know that he ever prayed this. Um, but some people think you should finish every prayer with this uh, with this prayer, but I don't think you need to use these exact words. The idea is um, not even that we would use these same words, but that that we have in this certain concepts of things that, that we should pray for in what's important and maybe what's not. Um, and so... Where we begin here is with a prayer for the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. What does that mean? What is God's kingdom here on earth? It's the church. We prayed for the church this morning. um, And I think thinking about what it means to pray for the church, for our individual finger of the church here in Gladys, and for God's church around the world, reaching out to them in prayer. And I think we need to be specific as we know about certain struggles. If we know about a church that is being started in Me Too, Colombia, we can pray for that and we can tell God about that. And if we only know generally about needs in a church, we can pray for those too. God's will be done. And it's interesting to me that this is the second thing within this prayer. So often we have a whole list of things that we say to God. And then we say, but Lord, if it be your will. And Jesus says here in this prayer, that's backwards. I want you to come to me saying, I want your will, God. And all my will goes by the wayside. The point is not to get the things that we want. It's learning to accept God's will and to make it our own. You don't have to if you want to, right? I never figured that out when I was a boy. My mom would say, I'd say, do I have to set the table? And my mom would say, you don't have to if you want to. And I said, that's that's not... That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) I don't want to set the table, and I'm not going to want to set the table. I've got other things I want to do. But God is saying to us this morning, my will will not be hard if you accept it as your will. Your will be done in my life. Bring me to the place where I can accept it, whatever it is, however hard it seems, and to want that. There's a story of Adelaide Pollard and the song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, and um, maybe you all know it. Um, Adelaide Pollard was a lady who desperately wanted to go to Africa to work there as a missionary. She just had a, a calling to this, she thought. And she tried to raise support. She tried to get a mission board to send her. And she never, ever went to Africa. And yet one evening in church, 
in a, some type of a ladies' meeting, there was an older lady who said, um, who prayed, have your way, Lord. We are, we are your clay. Just work with us what you will. And Adelaide Pollard came to the place where she said, you know, I'm not ready to go to Africa because my will is trumping God's will. And that's a hard thing. You know, you have in your heart a desire, a vision for something, and it's not getting done. And you think, wow, God's just not listening to me. But actually, God is saying, I want you to learn to accept my will for you. Next thing is asking for daily bread. And, I, you know, this is probably the one that I connect with the most because I, like I like to eat and I like to pray for my own needs and maybe for a few wants as well. Um, but this is a pretty small part of the Lord's Prayer. And um, it's sort of stuck in the middle there, isn't it? Um, give us this day our daily bread. And, I mean, if truth be told, I'd like to have more than just bread. I like bread, but I like stuff to put on it. Maybe some mayonnaise and, um, and some tomatoes and lettuce and I don't know, just a piece of bread isn't going to get me far. But, but maybe we, we are too focused on our wants. Um, conditional forgiveness. This is really important, isn't it? We pray to God for forgiveness. But maybe we need to pray that we will be able to forgive others who have offended us and vice versa. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying that God would forgive us as we forgive other people. That's just all there is to it. Um, and I think even if we don't pray this, that's, the, that's what God is going to do. He makes that clear in, um, in the story of the, the unforgiving servant. Strength in facing temptation. And I think it's important to note that here it says, lead us not into temptation. I think too often we want God to give us strength to resist, and, and instead he's making a way for us to leave uh, or not to enter in the first place. So temptation is not something that, that we're really supposed to resist. It's something we're supposed to flee, and when we stay close to temptation for long enough, most of us will just give in. Um, and then we find at the end of the prayer, just a summation, giving everything to God. Yours is the power, the glory. You are in charge, God. Help me to realize that in my own life. So it's not about the words that we use. It's not about, about impressing God. God isn't easily impressed. He's not going to be impressed by you next time you come to prayer with him if you've learned a new word and it's, um, you know, anti-disestablishmentarianism and, you know, you use it in your prayer somehow and God's like, wow, John really learned a big word. I'm impressed. Um, but he will be glad when you open your heart to him and you talk to him. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. There's two different 
parables about prayer here, and I want to mostly focus on the first one. So Luke 18, and we're going to read 1 through 8, and just refer to the, the second parable. And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? What is this talking about? A couple of different lessons. You know, first of all, is the lesson of humility. A widow was nothing in their culture. A widow had no husband to go as her defender. She had no standing with the court. She had no money necessarily. And this judge didn't have to listen to her. And in the same way, we come to God not because we have some kind of special in with him and we have this magic incantation that he's got to listen and do what we say but because we are nothing, and he has promised that he will listen to us anyway. And the second thing is perseverance. What is perseverance? It's just continuing on. God wants us to pers persevere in prayer, not because he can't answer us quickly, but because it's good for us to persevere. And then kind of we come down to verse 8, and there's a question there. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I think a lot of times when I've read this question, I've thought, well, of course he'll find faith on the earth. He'll find people living for Jesus, and he'll find people going to church, and he'll find people doing all sorts of things. But in the context of this parable, the question is, when I come back, will I find people persevering in prayer and reaching out and continuing long after they think that they should have given up? And it speaks to me. Prayer is as much a demonstration of our faith in God as anything else you can think about. So this morning, there are a lot of things we do because we believe in God and because we've accepted the sacrifice of His Son. But prayer is one of the most important things. If we're not praying and if we're not persevering long in prayer, then we are not doing one of the things that God has asked us to do. George Mueller was a man who probably most of you all have heard of. He was a, someone who 
immigrated from Germany to England in his 20s, and for whatever reason, he felt called to start orphanages, and 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 he was he was pretty crazy as far as what he did. He um, within a couple of years of of becoming a pastor in a church, he decided he would take no salary from the church. He said, God will supply my needs. He never asked anybody to give to the orphanages, um, and he prayed a lot. And he said that when he first began to pray, he often struggled with his mind wandering, not focusing on his prayers, but he found that he was able to focus much better when he started to pray about things that he'd read in the Bible, just to talk to God as someone um, would talk to a friend. And he documented over 50,000 specific answers to prayer. He, he kept a journal. Um, and he would, he would put down things that he was praying about, and then when he got answers, he'd go back and put down answers. And I think that probably had to strengthen his, his faith. There's a story of him crossing the Atlantic on the ship, the SS Sardinian. And he needed to be in Quebec by the following afternoon, and a heavy fog moved in. The ship's captain slowed the ship down for safety, which probably the folks on the Titanic could have learned from. George felt that he wanted to be in Quebec the next day for this meeting, and... Um, and he went to the ship's captain, and he asked him for the use of his chart room because he said he wanted to have a prayer meeting there by himself, I guess. Um, and the captain said, sure, but he came along. And he was not a Christian, and, um, and he didn't think too much of this whole thing. But um, the captain afterwards said that, George Mueller prayed a very simple prayer, and when the captain started to pray too, Mueller stopped him, partly because he knew that he was not a Christian, but also because he was sure of the answer of his prayer. And he said to the captain, Captain, I've known my Lord for more than 50 years, and there is not one instance that I have failed to have an audience with the king. Get up, captain, for you will find that the fog is gone. And when they went on deck, they found that the fog had lifted, and George got to keep his appointment. And my point with this story is not that God had his arm twisted by George Mueller or did something that he wasn't going to do, but that George was so close to God that he could pray to him and know that he was heard and that God's will would be done. And I think that a lot of times prayer is such a chore for us because we don't really know God. I know that's the case for myself. When I was dating my wife, and I've, I've used this example a lot of times, it was not a chore for me to talk to her for an hour in an evening, several evenings a week. It was not a chore for me to drive several hours to see her. And I would have done that every weekend if I could have. And yet, sometimes it's hard for us to continue long in prayer because we don't really know God. 
So to sum up, prayer is not about me making God happy. It really doesn't have anything to do with that. It's about me becoming like God and learning to talk to him and learning to get to know him. There are three things that I learned. Prayer is more about perseverance than about content. Prayer is about strengthening our faith. Prayer is about learning to know and accept God's will for my life. And I'd like to finish with the promise that God hears us. Matthew 7, verse 11 says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And that's a challenge. The good things aren't necessarily the things that we would want, but they're the things that will lead us closer to him. And in the end, there's a blessing there if we learn to to pray to talk to him.